All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. There you go. We'll cut this out too. <laughs> of course. Okay. <laughs> and then the podcast started. And here we are. And it was the beginning of a new podcast, 199. Ding, da, ding. 199. We're completing another centet. No, that's not it. Uh, 100. Century. Completing, completing another 100. Yeah. No, it's not Century either. <laughs> it's not? No. But there's that beer drinking game called Century. The new girl one? No, that's... Uh, American Hero? American true, Ninja? True American? True American. Yeah. Yeah. Um... No, Century is uh, you drink 100 shots of beer in 100 minutes or something. That's right. Yeah. I've never done it. It seems doable, but actually it gets you beyond messed yes, up. Yes, everyone. There's yeah. not a single person that I've met that hasn't been extremely messed How up. How many shots of beer are there in a pint of beer? I think it's like... Like eight or ten? N- no, no. I think it's like three to four. No, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be five or six. Okay. Okay, and it's a hundred, so it's like twenty pints of beer, in an hour and a half. Twenty pints of beer, yeah, I suppose so. My math must be off. There. My mine is too. I, just I feel threw I've, that together. I feel but. like it ends up being like, like six. Okay, like six beer or something total. But that's enough if you're doing it in a hundred minutes. Like that. Totally. That's, yes. Totally. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do it. Imagine how your stomach would feel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always do. Oh, hey, maybe that's what we do for Show Show 200. I love that you're coming to the table with so much inspiration We do tonight. a century. We do the century? Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Both of us, so it's 200 shots of a drink. 200? In 200 minutes. In 200 minutes. That's the longest podcast we've ever done. Well, it's yeah, we're going to be talking pretty slow by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have lost everyone else along the way. Yeah, exactly. I can't drink like that anymore. Are you nuts? I couldn't drink like that then. Even when you could have. Yeah. Even when I could drink like that, I couldn't drink like that. That's true, actually. That describes me well. Yeah. <laughs> Even in the golden age. It's true. I never had a golden age. No. No, but uh, I think you'll look back fondly on it and be like, you know what? When I, I was like, I what, some, 22? I had some golden times. I yeah. do look back on when I was 22, but yeah. I don't ever think, gee, I got exactly drunk enough that night when no, I was 22. No. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do say that about the first time that I ever drank. Yes, I you actually have said did that. get yeah. like the exact right amount. I feel like that had an, a lasting impact on like I think a lot this of is us, the thing I'm gonna do. A lot of us nail it the first time. Mm, you get you true. get you're kind of too scared. Scot free from the hangover because you're young and mm-hmm. and elastic and you bounce back the next morning and yep. you had nothing but a blast because your brain didn't know how to compute this amount of fun. Right. And then forevermore you're just chasing that glee. You're chasing that dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> my name's Colin, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I've been trying to talk him off the edge for years now. But I know. Here we are at episode 199. What a twist! The show will end when we're done. <laughs> what a twist! At 199, we find out that I'm a raging alcoholic, and Let's, this has always been an intervention to keep me distracted that's on right. Thursday night. Let's get all your dirty laundry out there now. <laughs> you don't even like TV. I, I'm honestly like I'm not even a huge fan of you. I'm just coming over to try to save your life. <laughs> what a hero! <laughs> Born to be a hero. I just I just knew that you needed help. If you were not a fan of me, 
And honestly, like with my anxiety, there's a real part of me that believes most people that spend this much time with me don't like me. Not but, a chance. I mean, way more than 199 hours together because we regularly go 80, 90 minutes, right? Totally. And so if we're up, we're up near like three or 400 hours of podcasting together and you didn't like me, mm-hmm. you really would be Mother Teresa. That's a good way of putting it when you <laughs> when you really think about... Um, how many minutes you spend talking to someone in a week? Yeah. You're probably up there because oh, definitely. just a, a solid hour of conversation. Yeah. That, that's a lot. Well, and I'm going to get to a Jade that we have in, in a second, Terrific. but this is a, a nice transition because she made an observation about me this past weekend, which I wanted to run by you mm-hmm. where, uh, I think we were talking about like like weddings when everybody from your life who otherwise might not mingle gets like cross blended into this big chaotic group of people and suddenly like people from different walks of life are, are talking. Yep. And that's the thing that some people really relish. Some people it's like really wonderful to see all these people they love together and other people find it uh, terrifying. And I think I'm in the latter camp for reasons that won't surprise you. Right. And I just, and so I said that I get stressed out when there's a cross pollination of different pockets of friends or family members for me. And she says, I noticed that about you. For example, I've only met Slaney once. And I thought it was an okay example, except for that you and I in particular have such a strange friendship because it's entirely exclusive. There's not a lot of of friend crossover in general besides work people. A couple work people who I don't hang out with outside work. And Mm so it's just you and me in a room. Yep. uh, And, you know, everyone else. Uh Uh-huh. And that's kind of special. This whole project has been, you know, 400 hours of chronicling a friendship. That's true. Through the 20-somethings. That's true. One day your grandson is going to go through it and make a a (laughs) memorial tape. Uh, Grandpa, were you the one who didn't know who Liam Neeson was? (laughs) Thankfully, that was your That was your idiot Uncle Slaney. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that's probably the biggest drop against me. What was it that I thought that... It's your biggest blunder. All of a sudden, this is a clip show. Yeah, <laughs> let's throw to that clip. Yeah. I have no idea where that clip is, by the way. It's somewhere in the first hundred, I guess. But man, I was so ashamed about that. It you was... you thought uh, Vigo Mortensen, you got them mixed up, but I forget what movie it was. Did you think like Aragorn was played by Liam Neeson? I did think that. Yes. Okay. I thought that Liam Neeson was in the Lord of the Rings movies. Right. That was the big one, and then I thought that it wasn't Liam Neeson in Schindler's List. Oh, yeah, so you I did convinced, the whole reverse thing. I convinced myself that that was Ralph Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes, yeah. Uh, okay, for what it's worth, this might be your greatest blunder on the podcast, and that's pretty good. That's a good track record, because this is a very forgivable mistake. Those three men are tall and masculine and fair and very self-serious and good actors. And I didn't watch Lord of the Rings that much. Like, I probably haven't seen Lord of the Rings in 18 or 19 years. Yeah, okay. Well, hang on a second. Is there any like intermingling between those three actors? Well, I think that Ray Fiennes is in Schindler's List. Yes, that's right. That's what it is. Is yeah. Viggo Mortensen in The English Patient? He's in The Road. He's in The Road. I get those two books confused because they were the two books I had to read for a university class that I I didn't do well in. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but I read the damn books. There you go. You did the work. Yeah. Kind of. And of it. The Road was good. And the English patient was very dull. Oh, I actually I read the English patient too. I think mm-hmm. Michael and Dace. Michael and Dace. Yep. Canadian. Hmm. 
Ugh, another Canadian. CanCon. Uh, speaking of CanCon, we got a we got a Jade. All right. This one goes back a couple of weeks. It's time for another Jade Explains a Thing. In Dead Poets Society, Neil plays Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream. I actually ended up watching the scene where he plays Puck and I just had something funny that I wanted to share, which is that there are definitely some cuts to the text in Neil's performance, which is not uncommon for like movie depictions of people doing Shakespeare plays, and I'm not a stickler for uncut Shakespeare. It just seems funny to me that in a movie with poets in the title that they would decide to take a knife to the poetry. Like, mm, Shakespeare, do you really need this line? Anyway, this has been Jade Explains a Dream. As, as if that movie wasn't pretentious enough. Now they're editing Shakespeare. They're like, yeah, yeah, exactly what she said. Like, yeah. Yeah. Actually, we didn't need this line. Well, and by the way, Dead Poet Society is, among other things, too long. Mm, that's true. So they didn't edit their own damn movie. Did you see the uh, the post? I think it was on Reddit that was like, or maybe it was on Instagram that was like, never forget that this was a movie based on uh, Shakespeare. And it's like. Leonardo DiCaprio like holding a gun wearing a Hawaiian t-shirt mm-hmm. with like all the dudes on the beach Romeo oh, yeah. plus Juliet kind of ruled well Jade's gonna appreciate that you said that I happen to know she loves that movie does she yeah I'm not nice. the biggest fan of Romeo plus Juliet Baz Luhrmann in general I, I struggle with sure I could see that yeah I could see that but yeah I've, I've got a, a special place for that I remember we watched it in high school yeah and I think too. I'd watched it in like elementary school before that and I was like this is kind of cool I like the vibe it is cool and I mean like the vibe is so specific on purpose that now I kind of feel like I think probably at the time I would have said, or at least in high school when it was already 10 or 12 years old, I probably would have thought this isn't aging very well. It looks so 90s. And now I realize that that's kind of the point. And it's so high camp in and, general stylistically. And something so 90s right now, I think would age really well. Well, that's true. Like I almost think they could remake even in the same like time period, they could remake like uh, Can't Hardly Wait or something. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Clueless is that. Clueless is a really good example of a movie that is somehow uh, satirizing the 90s while still within the 90s and yeah. doing it in exactly the way we would do it now. Right. Like, And that's what's kind of, and you haven't seen it, but that's what's kind of surreal about the movie is that you watch it and you're like, are you sure this wasn't written in 2013? Right. Because it feels like what we would make fun of now. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure there could be something like that right now too almost like a joke on euphoria but i feel like even like saved by the bell like a show like that's kind of trying to do that maybe even never have i ever never have i ever that's a a good example yeah it's so on the nose with the with the references and the vernacular Mm -hmm. that it's probably going to sound like when that 70s show uses the word groovy which they probably never really used in the 70s but for some reason it's representative of the 70s right yeah yeah like they're like hey cap (laughs) like right like but it, um, I saw his texts and they were pretty sus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're using it kind of normally. Like I don't feel like it's out of place. Well, they're doing a pretty good job acting. Yeah. That act she, who plays Davy, she's very funny. She's super funny. Have you been watching this season? We finished it. We've just got one left. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great season. Well, uh-uh. I think I think you're probably right. But the, it took me more episodes this time to get into it than the first time. Okay. And what I think I'm coming away from this with is that I am not a Mindy Kaling fan. Whoa. I know that's a hot take. That is a hot take. I think that she peaked and I think that there's more stuff now that doesn't work for me than does. Mm-hmm. I really like the first season and we just powered through it. And the second season, I just, I, if it felt very forced and a lot of this language we're talking about didn't, didn't. Well, I don't think she wrote every episode. No, you're right. But um, that's an interesting take. 
yeah, maybe I shouldn't entirely blame it on on Mindy. But then, like halfway through, uh, I guess I started to like it again. Okay, I don't. Know. You're 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 peeking on it a little mm-hmm. bit. Okay, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So just finished that. FYI, that's okay. kind of like what I've been watching this week. That's but... all you have. You didn't watch anything else. Um, I got a few things. Not particularly. That was kind of our go-to besides yeah, the shows we had to watch. You haven't watched uh, Quiet Place Two yet because it's oh, I on have. Prime. Great, let's talk about it. All right. It's a, a radio movie. It is a radio movie. Big time yeah. radio movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was um actually, yeah, that's a good point. I was I was appreciating the fact that like they had to get to the radio station oh, yeah. the whole time. Um what did you think of it? Did you like it? I really liked it. And I it's and really I, good. I it's really good. And I think after the first one I was a little blinded by just being proud of myself for getting through a scary movie. Right. I have a little bit of that with like get out too. like, well, yeah. good for me, even if it's not good, although it was, even if it's not good, like I now am welcome in the conversation. Right. And that's how I felt about a quiet place one, which was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was curious about a quiet place Two, thinking I could probably stomach it. And I totally can't like, it's a different yeah. kind of scary. It's very, this one in particular, especially since the climax is in like an 80s radio station. Yeah. It feels like Stranger Things. And their monster yes, kind of looks Stranger like things. the Stranger Things monsters. Yeah. Um, so if if the first one was 100% for you, what was the second one? I think it was better than the first one. You thought it was better? I do. Okay. Yeah. I had it at like a like a 90%. I really, it felt like, um, it felt like a lot of um, bridging. Yeah. Like, you know how the middle of a trilogy has the least to lose. I felt kind of that way, but you didn't know it was the middle of the trilogy, but I think it is. And I think in the, totally, I think the next one is really going to be like the, the bookend on the whole series. I kind of know what you mean when you say that the middle has the least to lose, but there's a lot of pressure on a second movie because if the second one doesn't stick, you've proven that this can't be a franchise. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You can totally bomb. Yeah. A franchise in the second I movie. think that Killian Murphy was a He's total so total bullseye. He's like, so good. That was a perfect addition to the movie. And what a kind of weird casting choice. Like it's not who you might think of. Nope. But um I wonder if him and Emily Blunt had like known each other from English acting. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he's Irish. Yeah. Oh, is he Irish? Yeah, Peaky Blinders, he's pretty Irish. Yeah, I suppose so. Hey, Google, where is the actor Killian Murphy from? Killian Murphy was born in Douglas. In Douglas? Douglas. Just in Douglas. He's, well, obviously, he's a Douglas actor. <laughs> Everyone knows that. You couldn't hear that Douglas lilt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really good. I think I liked it a little more. Um, very plot-driven. Like, it's it's kind of MacGuffin-centric, right? Like, we have to go here to get the thing, and then we have to get back. Right. Um, and that's fine. That's good. He um, is Irish. He is Irish. Okay, great. I like that they centralized the kids a little bit more. The like the girl, the daughter. Yeah, she's like she's kind of the star of the movie in a in a strange way. She is. I I found myself kind of being annoyed by the son a little bit more in this one. I think that yeah. was something where I was just kind of like, what are the choices that we're making here? Like, what? I think they got a different kid for the son. No, I think they have the exact same one. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. He was. He's Noah Jupe. He was young uh, Shia LaBeouf in Honey Boy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's good in that. He's good. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was good in it, but it was just one of those things where it was kind of like, oh, don't get out of the thing right now. Like, why would you go upstairs? Well, and at how this can you not be more conscious of the deadbolt on the big safe thing that they're hiding in? Right. Like, how the towel has to be. We're giving stuff away. Yeah. But, and the whole stuff, the whole thing with the baby in the box was. 
it was stressful and i don't so remember stressful. i don't remember if i was stressed in the first movie mm-hmm. i was you know suspended because of the whole absence of sound thing this is not a movie that relies so heavily on like the the quiet and then suddenly the absence of quiet right um but it was still stressful and to your point i think there's going to be a third one but i don't know that they left it off in such a way that they need to rush to a third one like they're now separate right yeah and so i think that it's plausible that they don't make another movie for 10 years and then part three is about finding mom again that's true that'd be cool yeah oh right yeah interesting point i see what you mean um have you seen any other movies uh did i watch any other, any movies? other random movies no i don't think i watched any other movies i i finished season one of succession i'm watching it by myself oh nice and it's great your thoughts after we famously didn't give it our s in episode like what what a bad take or something what a terrible take i went back and i listened to episode 89 i think it was and we because we were talking about anthony bourdain that's right. I, I followed the dates and I wanted to hear us react initially to the death of Anthony Bourdain. We actually spoke very nicely about it, but then I ended up listening to the whole episode and we watched the first episode of Succession and we very clearly had no idea that it was going to be a big HBO phenomenon. No. We kind of thought it was just like another dingy show about not very nice people and we compared it to uh, the one with the, it was like a Getty show. I think it was Donald Sutherland played essentially the all the money in the world oh guy. yeah yeah we're like this is the same it's just another rich patriarch and his right. idiot kids which is what succession is but it's the best version of that totally um really liked succession and i don't know if you remember like the the climax of the first season i do at the wedding with the, yeah. with the car and yeah. and uh mater d or the valet Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. I really like uh, Matthew McFadden who plays Tom. I think that he's, he's so good. not only my favorite actor. I think it's one of my favorite TV performances in a long time. There is a subtlety. There's like a, when him and Greg start like hanging out and yeah. kind of like trusting it, that is like the most gratifying thing in the world. Cause he's it such is. a dick to him. Not just a dick. He's a psychopath. Right. But that's what is, is making his performance so impressive is that he has the most, uh, I the, guess the uh, family thinks he's a joke and he's totally. trying to like, like get one over on Greg who like is just kind of like the most, he's like a baby. And so his interpersonal dynamics are the most varied of anybody else. Yeah. And so like, he's a very different person with Greg at first and you're, he's just horrible to him, but you're right. I can already see them like starting to kind of vibe a little bit right. better. I just find his performance stellar. Everybody actually, I think everybody's really good. Does season one have the bachelor party or is that season two? Yeah, of course. Cause the <laughs> season one ends with the wedding yes yeah the bachelor right. party was perverse <laughs> it's so good yeah so hilarious and like tom trying to brag the whole time yeah that was oh man it's it's very good and then the other thing that's funny is um there's a there's a plot that you think is going to be more consequential in the in the season finale that ultimately be is a red herring but um uh kieran culkin is roman is overseeing a shuttle launch like a spaceship launch in tokyo and it blows up yeah and this is the day before the blue origin shuttle launch oh yeah i couldn't help but consider totally yeah uh you gotta watch the second season now like you must feel pretty stoked to be able to i've seen one of the second season oh you have already so i'm i'll definitely be ready for season three i kind of want to rewatch i think i should the other thing i watched which i didn't think i'd ever get to see is the unreleased pilot of How I Met Your Dad 
starring Greta Gerwig. I said that got pulled. Yeah, it was on. It was on Vimeo. Reddit. It was today. on Vimeo. It was on Vimeo, okay. and it got it got yanked. But I I watched it under the wire. Nice. Um, having seen How I Met Your Mother so much, it's very bizarre to see them following what's the same template, but with entirely different people. And it's the same comedic sensibility mm-hmm. and like the same font in the credits, right? Um, but it just doesn't. It doesn't work at all. Work. I mean, the way a lot of sitcom pilots don't work, maybe it could have worked. Greta Gerwig is, I mean, the show is beneath her, but maybe she could have like helped the show to rise to better things. Right. Meg Ryan is the voiceover, a la Bob Saget. Right. And the two of them are not, you don't, you can't be convinced that they're the same person. No. Like the way you are with like, uh, with Josh Radner and, uh, and Bob Saget. It doesn't work in the first one. Do you know the comedian Andrew Santino? Yeah. He's in it as well. He plays her brother or brother-in-law, I think. Weird. Yeah. Gotcha. So don't bother watching that. Or maybe watch it just for the novelty. Well, it's gone now. I don't know if you'll be able to find it. I guess it'll turn up anywhere eventually. The dark web. Yeah. Speaking of How I Met Your Mother, uh, Josh Radner was on You Made It Weird this week, and I'm just new into it. It's his second appearance on the show, and I remember his first one being uh, very thinky-thinky. Okay. um, And pretentious, but uh, like unabashedly. Mm -hmm. And so if you can be open to that, it's actually a pretty interesting listen. And so far, I've found that to be the case with the second one, too. Okay. So consistent. Yeah, consistent. <laughs> nice. Um, Ted Lasso comes out, I think, tomorrow. Yeah. Pumped for that. In accordance with the Olympics, all launch at the same time. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I'm I'm kind of sad now because basketball's over, mm-hmm. and I had like a sport to watch mm-hmm. through July 20th, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're going to the Olympics, and I think I need to like do the thing where I kind of make myself excited about Olympic sports. Okay. Just because I like having a sport to watch whenever. So yeah. there's like golf is happening, which is supposed to be pretty exciting. Um, I think it's the first year that like pro golfers can play in it might be. Oh, I think I heard about that. And then skateboarding's in it. It is that's the first Olympics cool. with skateboarding. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be pretty fun. Um, yeah. Other than that, another sporting thing, which is very interesting. Uh, the NFL says that if there's a COVID outbreak on either team, that team is going to forfeit the game. If it's due to, if the team has unvaccinated players. Okay, but isn't there a problem then if both teams have a COVID scare? Yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen too often. I don't know, man. Like, I it, think they just, I think they would just go by who had the first COVID. Isn't it crazy that uh, the Americans are like in, hot water again with covid like the last couple of weeks they have completely topped out with vaccines they topped out at like 46 percent, which is very depressing that's a like i would have thought like maybe they'd hit 60 or something yeah uh 46 and and now like every movie is getting shut down again oh no i didn't know these sets are getting shut like because the everybody Uh, somebody's turning up with covid everywhere so yeah and deandre hopkins who's an nfl player is like well i never thought i'd say this but like because my like lack of choice I don't know if I want to play in the NFL anymore because he's basically saying like the NFL is forcing me to get a vaccine. It's like, well, come on, man. This is the first time ever. I mean, it's not the first time that there's been like vaccine detraction, but it's the first time ever people have had some kind of issue with the enforcement of necessary medication to prevent an apocalypse. You must have got your second. Yeah, of course. Actually, I had my, wow, my notes just drifted off of my notes and they couldn't have gotten away from me further. (laughs) It's, it's God, Colin's going on a 
hundred yard dash. It's right too now. late to uh to qualify for the Olympics. Paper, settle down. <laughs> Stop being so fast. What were we saying? Um, yeah, no. Yesterday was my two weeks, so I am fully excellent. I am fully uh, fortified, as my grandmother likes to say. I'm pure. You can hug me. <laughs> You're pure. Yeah. You didn't have two of the same shots, did you? No, I don't know anyone who did who's young. I know a couple people who were able to get like double Pfizer. Yeah. Um, and then I saw a thing this week where it was like U.S. cruise ships might not be letting Canadians with like different uh, vaccines mm. on the ships. Like yeah. if you had a Pfizer and a Moderna or whatever. Okay. There's no great loss for me because I'd never need to go on a cruise Totally. Ship that's fine. But doesn't that suck if that becomes a trend? Yeah, I guess we'll see. Except for that, I mean, like, there, there's there's all this, like, conflicting research, right? And I don't know the ins and outs of the, of the epidemiology. But right. it's my understanding that this World Health statement that they don't advise the combination of two rmna vaccines is that what the letters are every single time i have to question myself yep um that that was taken out of context that actually they were talking about something else and i forget what it was it was a couple weeks ago but like how can there be research that says it's totally fine what are you talking about these are the same product with different companies on them right and other research that says whoa you might explode it doesn't make sense right and also i think that the cruise ship industry i think that carnival is not going to be in a position to pick and choose that's such a great they, point they want to survive don't they <laughs> that's such a great point yeah like imagine that i i the guess nerve. maybe they were just so embarrassed by covid yeah. that they're like we've we can't mess this up again no even like without uh deadly diseases i've seen titanic too much to want to go on a cruise would you do you do cruises is that no no i don't do cruises I, well is, is that because you like more culture or is it just because you don't like the idea of being confined in a boat because well, it's that for me i don't need to be like stuck in the ocean with strangers i certainly would never book one um the opportunity has never arose to be fair yeah but yeah it doesn't seem like what i would want to do no. On vacation. It's a very polarizing version of vacation. It's a little too captive, I think. And then you have like one day Ugh. to like explore. I would be so stressed out about that day to explore. Yeah. I would be constantly aware of when we need to be back at the boat. Mm. I'm somebody who's an hour early for everything I ever go to. Right. right? And so I'm going to waste that day in Venice, like being back in line at the ship. <laughs> you'd, you'd walk like a block away from it. Yeah. Go into like a store, walk back to the ship, mm -hmm. walk block away again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have enough opportunity for the moon to hit my eye like a big pizza pie. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah, that was uh, that was so forced and heavy handed. Speaking, that was not worth it. Speaking of Disney, weird aside. Okay. Uh, listen to Revisionist History today, mm. where um, Malcolm Gladwell is doing a big takedown of the Little Mermaid. Oh, did you tell me about this? This is like a multiple episode thing. Yeah, it's going to be a three episode, but I didn't tell you about that. I must have heard about it. He was on some other podcast okay. promoting it, maybe. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty funny. Is it about like the the colonial implications of Little Mermaid? Or is it about no, the defeminization of, of Ariel? Not yet. It's uh, So far, the first episode was about how um, Hans Eric Christensen, who is the Danish author who wrote like you know princess in the yep. pea and like uh i think real hit like maker emperor's new clothes yeah and yeah uh so he wrote the little mermaid and Hans the christian anderson is that what i said yeah, okay yeah. um so he wrote the little mermaid originally so that this witch comes to 
the little mermaid and says like, Oh, you want to be a real human? Uh, uh, what does she do? She like casts a spell on her and automatically like the little mermaid loses her, cuts off her tongue or something. Yeah. Like very violently and graphically takes out her voice, and, not in some kind of magical way. Right. And so she can't, you know, meet the, the man on the, the ocean because right. she doesn't have a voice and she dies and turns into Sifo. Hmm. That's the way the little mermaid ends. Sweet. So anyways, the author of the actual Little Mermaid uh, movie, who the writer, I should say, uh, who also wrote like The Lion King and Aladdin, yeah, like he did. He's like a heavy hitter. Said he didn't feel bad until he went to Denmark, and the Danish people like hated him and oh, were like, wow. "Whoa, dude! Like you, you, you really uh, messed this up. This would be like if." we changed the ending of like gone with the wind or something. And he was like, Oh my God, I actually, for, for the record, you could change some stuff in gone with the wind. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, I actually really screwed this up. Interesting. Um, but the big thing that, that, um, that Malcolm Gladwell talks about in this podcast is the use of, he talks about the use of the legally binding contract, like in the, for some reason in the movie, Ursula's like, no, this is a binding contract where the, she's going to be my slave. And for some reason, King Triton can't <laughs> stop that. Right. He's like, I, this mobster has like manipulated the law and I can't change this. Yeah, but he, it, in he, the, <laughs> in the end, he ends up changing Ariel to like, he's a God. He ends up yeah. changing Ariel to human. Right. So why, <laughs> Why were we held so captive by this? And, wow. and so I think it was just kind of some of the like weird legal laws and weird stuff that gets passed. And, and they mention like... It's a plot hole for what it's worth. Sure. They, yeah. they mention like Zootopia, mm-hmm. how for some reason in Zootopia, there's an actual like kind of torture scene that's played for laughs. Okay. It's kind of like, give me the info. Shrek also has that. And so does Toy Story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They broke me. Yeah. And it's supposed to be played for laughter, but he's like, it's a G-rated movie for mm-hmm. kids. Right. And he's like, and we're showing that like torture works, which it's shown to not work. I can really hear aggravated Malcolm Gladwell in your reinterpretation of the story, by the way. I'm so happy you say that. Yeah. Because I think. Okay, wait. What's my Malcolm Gladwell? Let me get into it. You can't tell me that. The Little Mermaid. Actually, I don't know if I can do You're a little it. too deep, I think. A little too deep. He has this softness to him, but he does kind of get up there when he's like really worked up. I swear I've been able to do the impression at home by I myself. You. I believe you. Keep working on that. I need to listen to it before doing it. That's totally fair, by the way. Like, uh, <laughs> I guess we were, this is apropos of our conversation last week about whether or not Monsters University is like, con- like consumerism propaganda or whatever whatever (laughs) insane capitalist propaganda that's right whatever insane idea i had but you're right i mean they i think a lot of classic disney movies glorify military culture yeah there's a lot of war stuff oh man speaking of the the capitalist uh thing that we were talking about last week there's a cnn history of the sitcom oh cool you should watch that okay um just because i i recorded i think two episodes of it and it is one of those, it's like watching like a VH1 special where you're yeah. just like, oh, I want to know everything. I want to take a deep dive. Hearing like celebrities talk about like 
what their favorite show was and like kind of the the history of everything and right the problematic normalization of the nuclear family yeah the but not even problematic kind of like how we got from there to here and why this is successful and what changed and what was what was um extremely different about this show that paved the way for the rest of these shows yeah and so office comedies are one of the topics that they are gonna yeah workplace go after it's really working workplace. right now and we're watching superstore right now which is like a real joy actually yeah um it's a it's kind of an office ripoff frankly like sure. it's very clear that that's what they're doing but right. you're you're okay with it there are a few formats and it's probably not a coincidence that this documentary is coming out around the same time as wandavision which was a specific format of evolved sitcom, True. which is the family sitcom. True. They do they do a workplace one, they do a friends one, they do a family one. Um, so I'm not sure how many episodes there are in the whole series, but it's good so far. I'll have to listen to this uh, revisionist history because I'm happy to take down Little Mermaid. Yeah, it does it's always seemed like one of the more insane ones to me. Came out in '89. Actually, mm-hmm. Britt Marling's gonna be on the next episode. Yeah weirdly are they buds no i don't think so what did i hear malcolm gladwell on where somebody was friends with brit marling it doesn't matter yeah yeah anyways excited for it cool good a lot of people have an issue whenever there's like an ask reddit thread about what plot holes drive you the most crazy i've never heard that little mermaid one by the way like that's really nice to hear a fresh one yeah um there's inevitably somebody who has an issue with toy story and that Buzz doesn't believe he's a toy, and yet he still acts like a toy when he's being played with. Right. And I don't have a good way to articulate why that works for me, but my my best explanation for it is he acts like a toy because he is a toy. Like, I don't necessarily think the movie goes all the way into this is only happening in Andy's imagination. I don't sure. think that's what this is. But it's almost like but, like we we might act like we're in a simulation, but we don't know we're in a simulation. Okay. You know? So it's like... He's acting like a toy because he is a toy. Yeah. And maybe around different groups, he, you know, he's never been told he's a toy before. So that's jarring for him. No, but also there's like a really prominent theme in all the Toy Story movies about your destiny and like what mm. what your natural purpose is in this universe. And, yeah. and pretty consistently until the fourth installment, the the lesson is you're a toy. It's, it is in your nature. You were designed for the sole purpose of making a kid happy. Right. And whether or not that feels right to Buzz, mm-hmm. that is what he's here for. Yeah. Which is actually a little bit of a problematic theme uh, in today's society. Like this idea that you don't get to, you don't have autonomy. You don't get to choose what you are. <laughs> you don't have autonomy and you're in a lifetime of service. Yes. And you never technically die. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You just get handed on to the next kid. Yeah. With this like traumatic past of the last kid who rejected totally. you. Totally. <laughs> yeah, and you're always trying to please the mm-hmm. the man. It's unsatisfying. Mm, yeah. True. To that end, I guess what they did with Toy Story 4 kind of works because then Woody can have peace and fulfillment, but I'm never going to forgive that movie. Yeah. It was so wrong. It's a tough one. Okay. Imagine if you came around on it. Won't happen. Uh, new Kanye album tonight? What? Yeah, I think so. Looks like it. I did not know this. This is big news it's for called me. donda which is his mom's his name. mom yeah nice he's never made good ass job that was supposed to be the there was supposed to be college dropout um oh that's the end of the series yeah that like so it started with college dropout and then it late went registration to late registration yeah. graduation yeah so that was like the the first three yeah 
But then it went into 808s and Heartbreaks okay. after Donda actually died. Yeah. And then after that, we went into Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And that was his like... like Opus. His opus. Yeah. That was like the, the real artistry. Yeah. And I loved the first three albums too. And I, I actually really loved 808s and Heartbreaks too. I don't think I know that one that well. I do know I love Graduation. Graduation's so good. It's so good. It's a great pop album. Yeah. Actually... Like I've got memories from all, all of those eight oh eights and heartbreaks included, yep. and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy included. Yeezus, but the, but the I last have, couple. Yeezus, so I have memories. Yeah, of. like I was living in Kentville. Yep. I was like just getting my my new job. Mm-hmm. Twenty thirteen mm-hmm. was like driving back and forth listening to Yeezus. And then after that was, oh, uh, Life of Pablo. That's kind of where it fell off for me. Very, Although, very good, by the way. You like you really know this discography. I love Kanye West. Like that's I know it's a really hot topic, but like as far as artists go, he's oh, someone no. that I always follow. Yes, great music. Um, so Life of Pablo was actually pretty good. Yep, you can listen to a lot of it now, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like new Chance the Rapper on it, and it got released really late, and he was kind of like editing, but if you do a full That's the one he now, kept revising yeah, after it came out? Yeah, exactly. That's such a weird move. But it actually ages pretty well. Okay. And then the last one, um, which was uh, like, I'm, I hate buying, being bipolar, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. That one was like- I can picture the album cover. That one was not amazing. Yeah. No, it didn't, was not. Didn't love that and one. And then the, after, the one after that was the like super Jesus-y one, right? Yes, which was like, uh, I forget what that one was called. It was a real drag. Jesus is King, I think it was called. Jesus is King. Yeah. But there actually are some bangers on that. Okay. Like, All right. There's one with him and like clips, like okay. Pusha T and, and uh, his brother. Yeah. Who's uh, Malice. He used to be called Malice. Now he's called No Malice because he's a reverend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. God bless. Uh, and... So I'm so interested to see now that he's going from like God loving to like post breakup with Kim. If mm-hmm. this can be his next beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Well, that'd be really exciting. And I think that's why people are psyched about it being called Donda because it seems to indicate that it's, he's going back to his roots and mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, maybe not his initial roots, but like this will perhaps deliver something that's emotional. And when Kanye is emotional, it can be dicey. Yeah. And also it can yield a lot of really good music. And so people want to yeah. be optimistic about this, except I don't know what he has to say about Donda. He probably has lots to say about Kim. And maybe there's a parallel there mm-hmm. uh, about the women in his life who he doesn't have in his life anymore. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting. That's supposed to, it premieres on Apple Music tonight. Wow. This yeah. is, you're breaking news for me right mm. now. I can't believe that. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. Okay, good. Do you, do you care about um, Jackass Forever? Does that even like move your needle? You know what's weird? Is that that is gaining some traction. Like I'm just seeing so many people post about it and yeah. I'm kind of like getting a little nostalgic about right. it. Uh, so it's moved my needle, yeah. There's like, I've, I find that there's like a weird uh, similarity between Johnny Knoxville having white hair and Mark Hoppus having cancer. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Those are the same thing to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> Which, the, I don't mean to be flippant about that. The but. first one came out like when like take off your pants and jacket came out. Yeah. Great call. Yeah. He's doing okay, by the way. He has 
fucking stage four lymphoma. Oof. It's not it's not great, but he got results last week, which are as good as they can be. And yeah, so he's, I saw on, that. he's on the road. He's like the poison in my body is working. Yeah. And he calls uh, himself the cancer haver. That's he constantly calls himself that on Twitter. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. He's got a good Twitter presence. Very funny on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Good. Love to hear that. Uh <laughs> Rise of the Pink Ladies. They're doing a Grease prequel show. And it's about how the the gals got together and like the, the bubble gum jackets and everything. It's like an origin story for the pink lady. Oh, that sounds awful. Awful. And like, did they not learn from what is maybe the most essential sequels are a bad idea example, which was Grease Two? Like, oh yeah. Like that's the per- that's everyone's go to example of like, look, just because the first time doesn't mean the second time. Right. <clears throat> it'd, it'd be like doing a Hamilton too. Well, yeah, no, that wouldn't work. <laughs> Although, what would that be? It's I don't even Hamilton's know. Hamilton's ghost? Just, <laughs> I don't know. Trouncing around. Yeah. Nothing to say about that. I don't blame you, especially. No, not really. No. Unless, like, like uh, Martin Scorsese's tied to it or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of Hamilton, um, <clears throat> I realize now I, I spelled the, the actress's name wrong because there's no way her name is Leslie Grade. Leslie something. She was Nina in In the Heights, and she's going to play Batgirl in the HBO Max movie. Okay. So that was kind of like a casting news of the week. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And Michaela Cole was cast in Black Panther 2. Oh, wow. So they're doing a Black Panther 2. Oh, yeah. They were never not doing a Black Panther 2. Okay. And I think maybe it's just going to be called Wakanda Forever. Yeah. And they're going to have like Shira, Shiri, Shiri, his sister. Yeah. I think okay. she's going to end up. She's taking the, yeah. taking the lead. I like that. Right. Well, because Black Panther has to be the like sovereign ruler of wakanda right or 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 does he slash she yeah would she then be the queen of wakanda his sister i think me i i don't know if it goes through the family or if like a new like fight has to happen did he have a love interest i don't think so no he did i think daniel kaluuya had a love interest i think uh no i'm actually not sure i don't know i don't know either Hmm. okay that's all i have to say do you want to talk about shows let's talk about shows okay uh do you want to go first sure you can pick okay which which show you're gonna recap um both are pretty easy i think probably i think i'll do schmigadoon schmigadoon recap the first episode of schmigadoon you have 30 seconds in three two one go Okay, so uh, Cecily Strong and Keegan-Michael Key are, uh, you know, they've been together for about three years. It kind of does the history of them in the beginning. Then they go on this couple's walk because their relationship is kind of at a dead end. They're fighting a little bit. They find themselves in this place called Schmigadoon, which ends up being like kind of a musical town. And they don't realize that they actually need to be in love or find true love to actually leave. Um, meanwhile, there's, you know, a variety of songs about them and surrounding them. Yeah. It's throughout. not kind of a musical town. It is. It like, is like the musical. town. It is a weird, uh, like alternate reality where everything is quite literally a stage musical. Right. And bubble gummy and like weird practical sets. Yeah. Except for <clears throat> them. Right. Although Cecily kind of gets into the singing a little bit. Well, that's kind of the dynamic is that she likes musicals. There's an, er, an early moment where she's showing him, I don't know if it was like singing in the rain or something, and he wasn't into it. He's very clearly not into musicals. And by the way, there's a real imbalance over who's the asshole here in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's on purpose, 
But I kind of thought that it was going to be their relationship isn't going so great and they're both going to grow. That might still happen. Yeah. But she hasn't done anything to be an asshole in this first episode. She's just putting up with him being a terrible boyfriend. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I actually kind of don't know if that was the case for me. Okay. I think what I took away from it was she was very like, she was think kind of what he was saying is like she was saying that there were issues when there might not have been issues. Okay. You think that's a, well, I don't know. I guess I just, I don't, I don't think it's reductive, but I don't think we know enough about the relationship to make our own opinion. And so when we're told that things aren't going great, we have to believe that. that. Well, plus if she feels like something's wrong, then she's right. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not giving her a lot of credit. I guess I just don't really know why they're in love. Like, I mean, I guess there's a there's a point where they're celebrating their first year anniversary and it kind of looks for a second like he didn't really do the thoughtful thing that she wanted. And then he actually comes through. Right. And so they're, they're both surgeons, too. Oh, yeah. Which is like, a, yeah, kind that of goes a, away. A weird way to start it. Yeah. And then so I guess we're I don't know if we're supposed to remember that. Right. But they're both surgeons. Um, He kicks a or she kicks a vending machine because he tells her to because her Snickers bar is stuck. Right. And he's like, if you kick it, it'll come out. Uh, and then the whole like vending machine empties and it's kind yeah. of a magical moment. And then they hook up and there are like candy bars on the bed. Right. And then they, uh, yeah, it's, it flash forwards like, you know, two months later and they're like loving each other. They're yeah. doing stuff. And then a year later they have their year anniversary and it's like the best year of their lives. And then it's three years later all of a sudden. Right. And they're kind of like, you can see all these relationship books by the side of the bed. That yeah. She's reading. And then they're on this like <laughs> retreat that's supposed to like help you find your love again. And they get separated from the group and it's raining. And I guess this is supposed to kind of feel a little bit like a, like a wizard of Oz parallel, like during inclement weather, they find themselves in a magical land. Yeah. Um, and they can't leave, which they discover at the end. Like they go back to the bridge, they try and leave. And Martin short is there as a leprechaun. And he kind of explains in song that you can't leave Schmigadoon until you find true love and they don't understand that at first because they both believe intellectually that they're in love Mm -hmm. but it's very clear that they have some like real love to discover yeah they're like no yeah we're in love like we're in love so let's just walk out of here and then it ends up being the kind of they try to cross the bridge and it's the exact same thing they see on the other side and there's a cast of other characters like they've they've filled it out with people who really legitimize the musical aspect of this like alan cumming is the mayor christian chenoweth is like the the mean you know that Kristen Chenoweth has to be a superstar yeah because like when's the last time you've heard Kristen Chenoweth's names I don't imagine she's hurting in a stage capacity I don't know I don't know what she's up to lately but but isn't that interesting that like they were like oh no let's put her in Schmigadoon. she's a ringer for musicals yeah yeah exactly yeah they're I mean like, I, you're, you're right except for that it's it. it's so her market like it's yeah but you're right I wouldn't think to cast her in anything else but Kristen Chenoweth wasn't she in like uh like Oh, she was in the West Wing towards the end. Was she? Yeah, which is decidedly not a musical. No, yeah, no. That's that's kind of what I picture her in. But like okay. seeing her in a musical, makes me, oh, I'm sorry about that. That's, that's my phone. Um, seeing her in a musical makes me go like, oh, she's always clearly been like a very musical person. Have you not heard her sing? No, I don't think so. What what does she sing in? 
Well, I think Wicked is her thing. Oh, Wicked was her thing. I'm pretty sure okay. that that was her thing. But there's there's got to be more. And you know, it's becoming so routine that we need Jade to help us with. That's true. With theater oh, stuff. Jade, help this us is, with this. This is theater really thing. really her uh, department. Um, you know, Kristen Chenoweth is like a legend, it, like in terms of like Broadway musicals. I'm, oh, I'm pretty confident okay. in saying that. Yeah, I trust yeah. you on that. And her voice is ridiculous and almost not even enjoyable. Cartoony. Car- cartoony. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot. And then there's this other young lad who I think he's like kind of a Broadway star himself um, who will sort of be a romantic foil for Cecily's character. Like they, and that's my favorite part of the episode, by the way, when she like goes out for a walk at night and he does the tap dance song. Right. That was a terrific song. It was. And, uh, and there's some yeah. flirtation there. Yeah. He says, this is my favorite line of the thing where he sings like, and we'll have four kids, two boys <laughs> for me and two girls for you. And she says, shouldn't all the kids be for both of us? <laughs> yeah, but nothing's going to tie them down. Yeah. Thought it was great. I thought the the whole choreography of that scene was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it kind of felt a little like, and I don't know a lot about these musicals. I thought it felt a little bit like Oklahoma, but then yeah. I lo- I looked it up, and it's more directly a spoof of Brigadoon, the musical. Oh, and that's why it's called Schmigadoon. Oh, that's really interesting. Because yeah. yeah, I thought that like the the f- whole first scene was kind of like Oklahoma, where that exactly na, na. yeah. The songs felt like that. But Brigadoon is a musical. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wouldn't have known that. Yeah. So it's uh, produced by this guy, Barry Sonnenfeld, who is another guy from from this ilk who does quite well. Although all I know him from is he was the showrunner of the the Neil Patrick Harris um, Lemony Snicket show that ran for three years. Cool. And it has kind of that vibe, this mm-hmm. like weird, like practical sort of off roll dull kind of quality to it. Right. I don't know if I have any other ideas about the about the vibe of the show, but I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I got to watch it while Jen was gone because she hates musicals. And oh, I like musicals. Yeah. So um, I... Uh, I think that this probably would work for somebody who hates musicals, though, because it, it speaks to that as well through Keegan-Michael Key. It's like... And it's also like... The show is very conscious that yeah, musicals but, like this are like cokey and crazy. Totally. But it doesn't get get rid of the music. Uh, True. No. Which is... The thing that the songs are pretty good. To- well, and weirdly, like Jen loves Moana. I feel like I could get her into yeah. into a musical, but yeah. she just has to maybe like not know it's a musical. I, th- I think she feels awkward for the performers. I honestly think that's what it is. That's fair. It's like yeah. a cringe factor. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. It's not like she can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's that she's got like her anxiety comes out in well. There's something a lot more vulnerable about Cecily Strong singing a song than uh, Princess Anna singing a song. Totally. How good do you think Cecily Strong is? I think I've said this uh, maybe twice before, where I'm like, I think she's got the she's got the goods, the highest star power. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you if you thought that that she was a star because there's, I think so too. I Mm -hmm. certainly think that she has the talent. But there's something about her that's actually very grounded. Like she feels very much like a real person who would like work at your your corner store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that as a compliment. I, I just mean that she seems very like natural and, and she's also really funny and talented. But there's some weird thing that's precluding her from being much more famous. She's been around for so long. Yeah. And even this, she has Papa Lorne shepherding the project, yep. which explains, by the way, why Keegan-Michael Key hosted SNL this year. That's I was gonna say that too. Yeah. It all came together. Yeah, it did. They're buds. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I give it my S though. I thought it was fun. I do too. Yeah, I liked it. Oh, I'm glad you feel that way. I think I've been on a drought with S's. Yes, we've been hard on things lately. Yeah. Well, look, we're there around, hasn't been a lot of stuff. We're coming either. into two hundreds. Like we're I've been we're this, old and grizzled. I've been listening to this podcast. It's only two episodes in, uh, but it's on the Ringer feed uh, about uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, and oh, it just talks about their dynamic as these two people who like spar over movies and talk about them as like laymen, and that's what made them. Um, relatable and thus gave like an entire generation of tv viewers the vernacular for how to be proper movie fans right and it reminds me a little bit of you and me not to flatter us but like we're just like a couple of dumb every man (laughs) (laughs) talking about stuff as if we really are qualified to say whether or not a show is good like succession sweets and slain give it two thumbs up yeah well we do give we literally give it our asses yes imagine if we see that at the bottom of a screen one day (laughs) Sweets and Slady give it their asses. What's the tomato meter score? Did they give it their asses? A hundred percent asses. At this point, fifty percent asses, zero percent. That's why we have like a whole company that like puts out <laughs> companion media. Yeah. Oh God. Keegan Michael Key was giving me Jason Bateman in this show. Yeah, that's what he was doing. Yep. Yeah, he was like, like the that. straight man next to Melissa McCarthy, who's already over all the antics. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. He played a good straight man in it, though. Like, he never does that. He he's never... A, he's always uh, so flamboyant. And, like, I... It's very clear that he likes musicals, too. Like, he's definitely playing yeah. off type. Right. Um, and I think you he's probably... he's going to get into so many songs. Totally, yes. Dances. He's he's going to evolve. I don't know how that's going to happen, but he's going to do a real, a real twist-a-roo, mm-hmm. for sure. He is, for sure, a star. Can't wait to see what uh, Fred Armisen ends up doing in this. Like, is he going to sing? Because I don't yeah. know if we've like straight up heard him sing as a singer. I don't know, but he's a talented musician. Totally. You're right. I forgot he was in this. He's in it so minimally. Yep. He's Kristen Chenoweth's husband, who's the reverend of the town. Quick aside, you know Fred Armisen just like started out as a drummer in a band, and then like yep. while he was doing band stuff he was like making these videos and like playing them before shows and they were just like funny he was playing like different characters and yep. that's how he eventually got to snl well the the bridging of the gap is him being in blue man group oh he's in the blue man group yeah oh my so that's God. kind of the route from being a drummer to being like a person with an, a talent agent wow yeah crazy mm-hmm. there's a a a thing that it's called, I heard this on a podcast, when you act in a role that gives you like like actra mm-hmm. cred or yep. whatever it is to join the union. Yep. And it's called being like read tardied or oh, something. Something okay. tardied. Yeah. I don't know what the first part is, but tardied is in the name. Jade could explain this for sure. Oh my God. She should just join the podcast. For she should. Sake. She may as well have. Can we get a Jade line? Yeah. Yeah. Or a spinoff. Just Jade explains the thing as its own podcast. <laughs> Young Jade. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Pink Ladies show, but it's just Jade. That's saying right. everything we did wrong. That's Young right. Jade. It's <laughs> so funny. It's her listening to episode six and going like, uh, wait a second. And she just starts taking notes and that's the whole spin-off. It's like a reaction it's like video. A, it's almost like a Queen's Gambit style thing where yeah. she's like, oh, I know all the answers here. <laughs> or she does a Zach Morris and she's like, time. And she pauses the podcast. And she's like, hang on, we got to talk. <laughs> yeah, about it just walks in. <laughs> all right. Okay. I guess I will recap the first episode of Dr. Death starring my mm-hmm. boy, Pacey Witter. Yeah. Put me on the clock. Yes, sir. Fun fact about this show, 
it originally starred Jamie Dornan as Dr. Death. And then he had to drop out due to some kind of like COVID complication. He didn't have COVID, but they had to like shuffle production because of COVID and he wasn't available anymore. And so this was going to star Jamie Dornan, ended up starring Joshua Jackson. And I don't know if you saw pictures of the real Christopher Dunch, but like it's rough. It couldn't be more flattering to him to have these two actors portray him. It's true. All right. Put me on the clock. (laughs) Dr. Death. In three, two, one. Dr. Death. We kind of have a complicated timeline in this pilot episode because we're bouncing around, but the gist is essentially that there's this doctor who drifts from hospital to hospital, residency to residency, and like high-profile, prestigious surgical residencies um, taking on uh, important cases, often of like older people. I guess he's like a spinal surgeon primarily. Like yeah. he goes into the body and he clips around and he uh, maims people, I think for fun. Mm. Um, I didn't really do a very good job of explaining the story, but there's like a through line of a nurse who's assigned to his OR at mm. one point. And this is one of the first instances where like people are noticing that this guy's um, temperament and his ethics in the OR are way off. And when he is questioned on this, and I mean uh, Dr. Death, he flies off the handle. Like he has no patience for any kind of challenge from his superiors or his subordinates. Right. Um, And we learn a little bit about his family as well. Like his father comes over to his mansion in the middle of the night because he thinks probably something's amiss and they have words. Yeah, because he calls the dad and the dad comes from Colorado to like Dallas. And then he's he kind of like downplays it. He's, he's like, kind of like Dad, come. what are you talking about? I'm the best. I'm, I'm and and the dad's like, Whoa. the dad who, is who are you trying to impress? The dad clearly sees the arrogance as a huge red flag. Yeah. He's like, oh my god, you need to like. He's like, do you need money? Jets. Yeah. And he looks around. He's like, what do you mean? Like, do I need money? Because he lives in this massive. He also mansion. has an ex girlfriend who is there's maybe a restraining order against him. Yeah. And that's Grace Gummer, who's Meryl Streep's daughter, by the way. Yes. Um. And he goes to see her in the middle of the night and she is not having it. Like she is mad right away. And she already knows very clearly that he's bad news. And she also knows that one of his patients died. Like she's like, well, what happened? She's like, I won't come back. She she says, they're still letting you operate. Yeah. Like he explains what he's like, they made me look like an Indian there today. I I like a lady almost died. And she's like, time out basically. So we're kind of seeing this story in and around scenes featuring alec baldwin who's like i guess like a chief of surgery at a hospital yeah and christian slater who's like one of their top surgeons who's probably like a good guy surgeon yeah um, who's sort of giving his background on dr dunch he gets interrupted in surgery and he's like this person's like do you know anything about this guy dr dunch and he's like yeah don't hire that guy he's he he goes like doctor's a stretch (laughs) yeah that's right uh and so this kind of indicates that he should come in and give a testimony and like we keep having these like conversations yeah. between Alec Baldwin and Christian Slater. Love Christian Slater in this. Yeah, totally. He's really fun. Yeah. Well, except for that, like I couldn't get my head away from the fact that he was also in Dirty John and this show is clearly born of, oh, it's a yeah. it's a Dirty John child, very totally. clearly. Well, it was a podcast. It, that's what I mean. Right. Like they're yeah. now, they're turning all of these yeah. podcasts miniseries about psychopaths in America. I don't think I into, knew that Christian Leitner was in Dirty John. Uh, he was in season two of Dirty Dirty John, which is the Betty Broderick story starring Amanda Peet. Oh, okay. And right. um, I didn't finish watching that. I just found it to be terribly depressing. And I don't. And I think also the Betty Broderick story can't possibly have a happy ending, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that she just like kills her husband and his girlfriend. Right. But the first Dirty John, 
about John Sheehan does have a happy ending. And that's what made that show good to me. Mm -hmm. For the same reason, I can't get into Dr. Death. Nothing good is happening here. It's true. There's no happiness. It's true. Why would I put myself through it? Yeah, I do. I guess like the reason you watch it is because you want to see Dr. Death go down. Yeah. Like he's clearly not a good person. He doesn't have any sort of redeeming factors. I can do that on Wikipedia though. I don't have yeah, to put myself true. through eight episodes. Totally true. Um, I also kind of like watching uh, watching Joshua Jackson. And he's, he's good, he's eh? Good. He's, he's like, really it's weird because I know him as such a good guy. Yeah. Although sometimes, you know, he's he does unforgivable things in Dawson's, but like mm. ultimately Heart of Gold. And th- he's like playing a very good psychopath. What I don't totally get, granted, I only watched the pilot, is what he has against these poor people he's hurting. Like he has 38 surgeries, mm-hmm. 33 of them are unsuccessful. Right. Like how does that continue first of and, all? And and the the way that the OR doctor or the the OR nurse puts it is like it's like he was being told what to do yeah. and intentionally doing the opposite. Right. And then later on they're trying to figure like one of two things is happening here. Like either he's not who he says he is. Mhm. And he's like using another good doctor's name or he is who he says he is and he's doing it on purpose. Right. But like, why? Yeah. And the other doctor from the, the previous hospital mm-hmm. has nothing bad to say about him. And they're like, come on, like you've got nothing. And you can tell there's some like, yeah, weird, like he about? knows that there's something there, but maybe he just made a deal of like, listen, I never want to see you again. And, uh, get out of this hospital and I won't charge you with neglect. <laughs> right. I don't so know. are you going to continue with this? No, I don't think so. Such a bummer, man. Yeah. But I, did you read up on him? Cause I, knowing that I wasn't going to go further, I, I, I know the ending. I didn't do that, but he does go to jail. Okay. Obviously like it starts with him and in an, well, oh, that's true. I guess like, they kind of like a fat they suit. They do that right away. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know anything about motive. He is one of the I don't I don't either actually, okay. uh, and I feel unsatisfied by that. Yeah, um, he is one of the only uh, doctors ever to go to jail for malpractice. Like it, really? it is considered apparently, and it's by the way we should say this all goes down in 2012, yeah. and then he goes to jail in 2015. Right, it's not like this was happening in the 70s. Um, it was like a landmark case that like not only are doctors who malpractice losing their licenses and then retiring to their beach homes. Right. They're going to jail now in part because of what happened with Christopher Dunch. It was so nauseating. Well, and you can tell there's so much hesitation with, with Alec Baldwin and Christian Slater, not Christian Slater as much, but Alec Baldwin is clearly like, like he's got two surgeries on Monday. Yeah. And like, they want to give him every chance. Yeah. At the expense of these people's spines. Totally. So yeah, you, people that have turned quadriplegic or died on the table yeah. as a result of the surgery. Do you know the deal with the scrubs? Because I had to have Becky explain it to me. No. Well, the nurse keeps noticing that the scrubs have a hole in them. Yes. And so that, that's the first interaction he has with Dr. Dunge. And this is before he has any reason to think that there's anything wrong with him. He's just like, nice to meet you. I'm going to be your OR nurse today. And then he just kind of whispers as like a, f- a favor. He's like, by the way, you've got a hole in your scrubs. And then immediately Dr. Dunge is rude. Yeah. And later on, the same nurse notices that hole again. And what I, isn't properly explained in this first episode, but Becky explained to me, is that scrubbing in and scrubbing out happens at the hospital. Gotcha. And 
he, this proves that he's wearing the same scrubs every day because right. he's taking them home because he bought his own scrubs because he like is not necessarily qualified to be here at all. Oh, I see. He's like a total fraud. Gotcha. And he went to, he does have some like medical education, but like a lot of it is fraudulent or like he did the bare minimum oh, to wow. get by. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, because there's, um, what is it? <laughs> he walks into the lunchroom and he says he's working on like a cure for like blastoma or something. Which is like a brain disease. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the other person is like, well, that's ambitious. And he's like, I don't think so. He's like, I think everyone makes a bigger deal out of it than it is. It's so insane. Yeah. It's And nuts. she says something like, he's like, well, like you, you think about that uh, in a pretty negative way. Like right. you gotta be thinking you can do something in order to do something. She kind of thing. clearly finds him off putting right away. Yeah. And he's like, close the door behind you. Yeah. It's he pretty scary. There's a thing in his Wikipedia about how uh, people with his like kind of job tend to have like over a thousand surgeries before they even uh, like are technically like surgeons on their own. Really? He had less than a hundred. Oh my God. So he like intentionally did the bare minimum. He's so incompetent. Oh, that's so great. Like why would you ever have the misplaced confidence to think you could go into someone's back? God complex, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like he he literally just wanted to control someone else's life. Yeah. Oof. I know. It's so sad and messed up. It is. The episode was also called Diplos, and I'm not sure I understand why. But I couldn't help but think that James Vanderbeek starred in What Would Diplo Do? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was um Weird Joshua parallel. Jackson going, yeah. Hey, let's give that show a nod. <laughs> the weirdest unnecessary Easter egg yeah. that you could have in Doctor Death. Yeah, exactly. Anywho. So do you give it your ass? No. No? No. I think I might. I found it too traumatic. I found it like, you know how we talk more about like how it's not necessarily like blood and guts that make me upset. It's just like people's lives getting the ruined. vibe. Yeah. <laughs> the vibe just made me upset. Yeah. yeah. When, when the lady at the beginning, it is upsetting to hear the lady at the beginning be like, don't let that man near me. Right. Like, I don't want to see that man. No. No, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Amanda Pete, do you want to tell your Amanda Pete yeah. a- anecdote? So I was talking to my sister last week and she said that the only reason that she got into Columbia for playwriting was because Amanda Pete decided to not go into the program. Amazing. I had no idea that my sister was on a wait list and that Amanda Pete was the person, the reason that she got in. Which by the way, it means that Amanda Pete was enrolled in this program in like 2013 or 2014. Yeah. Something like that. So like she was already a very famous actor and she was like going to take this prestigious writing program. Totally. Which is admirable, by the way. But I, I, after you told me this, I followed the the trail of potential. Yeah, and I thought, well, if Amanda Peet had stayed in that program, yep, she might have had the writerly instinct to sway her husband David Benioff, yeah, away from what ultimately became of the final season of Game of Thrones, which is largely reviled. True. And so, if your sister had not taken that writing program. Game of Thrones might have ended better. The finale, which was on our wedding day, right, might have been stronger. Right, there might be a, like a deep connection between your family and, <sighs> and Game of Thrones. Oh, this is a lot of weight to put on our shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> this is All your family's man to Pete. Your family's great shame. That's is right. ruining Game of Thrones. <laughs> but my my sister was like, 
I hope I meet her someday so I can tell her the story. I'm it like, is a great story. Yeah. Well, and, and to Amanda Peet, it would be really cool. She'd well, be like, oh, this is exciting. Well, I can see that it went to somebody deserving. Because I guess Amanda Peet said it on an interview that this is what the program she was going to be going into. Oh. And so like students were like expecting Amanda Peet and then she didn't show up and my sister was there. People were like, where's Amanda Peet? And my sister was like, mm, I'm not going to talk about that. That's a lot to live up to. Yeah. When people want a movie star and it's you. Totally. Yeah. But I don't think they knew that it was her specifically that she was the waitlist person when i was in my my radio program we were all very aware of this woman named adele who was supposed to be in our class and just never showed up which by the way is not that uncommon in like programs right. but like because there were so many weeks of teachers being like and is adele here that we all just got to be like no she's not coming right anyway we found out later that she didn't uh come to school because she got on dragon's den Oh. And I forget what her product was, but like... I thought you were going to say, because she ended up being an extremely popular <laughs> singer. She was too busy rolling in the deep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was chasing pavement. I think this was before maybe like Adele was such a big deal. She was probably working, but like, I don't remember... I remember Adele being like, like me first hearing Adele's name from... Brent, my friend Brent was like an early stan of Adele. Yeah. And that was like... That's a cool claim, by the way. That's a cool thing to be able to say. It super is. Yeah, I was in on Adele before everyone else. And he really was. <laughs> like, like truly was. This was probably 2008 or nine. Mm -hmm. So, go Brent. I'm thinking that um, Adele's... I mean, it's crazy that she like hosted SNL this year yeah. in anticipation of her new album, which is nowhere to be seen. And she said it at the time. She's like, it like I got nothing. Yet. I got nothing right now. I kind of respect it, but like nobody can get away with taking seven years off in your first decade yeah. like Adele can. She's done it before too. She's like a little older than us, but barely. Mm -hmm. And she's like still just and by the way, these albums are like ten songs and they're love songs and, and one of them's a cover. Like yeah. it seems like we could probably get this shit done. It's true. But so, when but when it comes back, it will be the biggest deal in the world. And she'll go on Hot Ones, and my mother will be like, have you seen the show Hot Ones? <laughs> You're really writing the future right now. Yeah, I've been trying to do that ever since Amanda Peet. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, will Smith is a little different today. Okay. Uh, maybe you can help me with this. Jade's going to explain Will Smith. <laughs> that would be a huge <laughs> help, actually. Uh, a different Will Smith completes a walk-off home run yes. fulfilling the comeback of the Dodgers. Dude, I'm so happy because I, I was watching Pardon the Interruption on, on like TSN earlier yep. and they mentioned Will Smith doing something mm -hmm. and I was like, is this current news or was Will Smith, were they like referencing a Will Smith that was a one-time baseball player and saying that was a tremendous thing? Yeah. But I was like, if this is current, I should bring this up for the show show. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't look at it into it. Well, I just know because I Googled Will Smith on Google News, which I always do. And it showed and up. All of them are just Will Smith, the athlete. I did think about that. I was like, if I Google News Will Smith, would yeah. that come up right now? But I was working out at the time, just watching part of the interruption. So how do we loop this back to Will Smith, the movie star? How does this paint him in some kind of untrustworthy light? Okay, well, let's think about this. Will Smith, the, the baseball player, is talented and a hometown hero. And what team does he play for? The Dodgers. L.A. Mm -hmm. So he's also in L.A. Right. So there's a couple Will Smiths Wouldn't it be LA. wild if he played for Miami? That would be painful for him, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, my God. You're so right. <laughs> and what about, what about this? Michael Jordan mm -hmm. 
Stopped, <laughs> I'm so with you, by the way. Stopped playing baseball yeah. for about nine months. Mm-hmm. Or stopped playing basketball for about nine months. To play baseball. To play baseball. Yeah. So there was a Michael Jordan in the MLB. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's a, uh, a Will Smith mm-hmm. in the MLB. After Michael Jordan played baseball, he starred in Space Jam. Yep. Space Jam 2, out right now. Yep. LeBron James, mm-hmm. famously starring in that. Now, Will Smith. <laughs> you lost me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> is this Will Smith employing a baseball player to portray himself? I'm really losing the thread here. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing. I, I don't know. I was just trying to. Well, finish your thought. I don't. I you're don't have a thought here, oh, sweets. Okay. I was oh. just trying to get something. Oh. Maybe. Yeah. I w- okay. I got nothing. But okay. Well, I can't help you then. I don't know. So we don't trust Will Smith because he's put us in this position, and yes, it might look, be him, and it might be did. the baseball. Look player. how we just unraveled an otherwise decent podcast. I bet the the Will Smith baseball players Royden. Well, as if it wasn't hard enough to trust this guy. Now I got to worry about another Will Smith. There's it might not. Will he Smiths. might. He might be a, a fraud. Is that what you're saying? He we might s- have taken this athlete's, this talented athlete's name, and we, stolen his identity. We say this like there aren't millions of William Smiths. <laughs> no, it's a very specific name. You don't hear them every day. <laughs> but this Will Smith can't be trusted. No, never trust Will Smith. Never. Unless trust you need a home Will run Smith. to win the game. <laughs> and I guess trust him. But okay. if if you're the competitor, I'd look into that. Never trust Space Jam Two Legacy. A new legacy. Yeah, people aren't liking it. No. But also, it's a kid's movie. Yeah, maybe the first Space Jam wasn't good. Yeah, I think like as yeah. I think if we were 30-year-olds watching Space Jam, we might not have thought it was a masterpiece. Never trust the Space Jam franchise? That's possible. Okay. You're not ready to commit to that. You feel uneasy about it. No, I watched... Yeah, th- th- so the nostalgia is still there for Space Jam for me. Okay, but, but never trust Will Smith. But never trust Will Smith.